You're tuning into this podcast is a bad idea. You're one-stop shop for pop culture quirks. I'm Fru, he's Murph, and every episode we have a goodie bag of topics to discuss. Today's main topic is the back rooms. So what's your podcast about? You're listening to This is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. Mary Spoopy, Murph. Mary, Mary Spoopy? <laughs> Sometimes you have to is lean your... into the millennial, you know? Is that your Peanuts OC, Spoopy? <laughs> well, we're here. We're here. We're episode 10, but this is our, our technically our one year podiversary. Happy podiversary, friend. We're still making content out of our friendship. Yes. <laughs> Before too long, we will monetize our friendship. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and that's <laughs> and that's where the trouble will begin. <laughs> so, so what have you been up to? Been winterizing my house, which means taking the back patio furniture and locking it away so the squirrels can't use it to store nuts. But what I what the the highlight of my day, depending on your definition of the term highlight, <laughs> um is I I I was confronted with a fear I didn't know I had. Oh no. You ever you ever had do something where you're like in conception you're like oh yeah I can do that but then you get to it and you're like I can't do this so my my house has skylights mm-hmm. and um in the summer we 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 cover them with a sort of like burlap cloth to reduce the amount of heat coming in right and save us on on AC yeah and in the winter we take those off okay quite recently I I, I lost my father. And he was the one who handled the skylights. And so it fell to me as the man of the house. Oh, my God. And I thought to myself, oh, you know, I, the roof isn't that steep an incline. Roofs are scary. Oh, my God. So I was taking some doing to set up the ladder so I could get onto the roof. And then the moment of transferring, like the moment I put my hand on the roof... <laughs> I immediately got, like, this is a bad place. <laughs> and you were by yourself, and I've seen your roof, and it's very steep. I don't think of myself as a person who's afraid of heights. <laughs> but I am afraid of falling. Yes. Yes. I I always describe it as I have a fear of self-propelled heights, where I have nothing <laughs> yes. to rely on but myself, and no one to blame but myself. <laughs> Yes, that's a good way of putting it. I did get all the covers off. Yay. Unfortunately, in the moment of when I was climbing to the peak of the roof to get the last one, I was thinking to myself, oh, once I'm at the top, I'm going to like look out over the neighborhood and it's going to be like a cathartic experience. <laughs> that... It wasn't. No. I had a panic attack. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Oh. Where I was like, Five hairs widths away from being like call 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 the fireman. <laughs> call. Murph, I'm so sorry. Can't, to hear that. I can't move. The paralyzed can't fear. move. <laughs> You're braver than. But I I'm am. alive. I got down. You did it. You did it, and I'm proud and of you. And I don't feel like I could go up again. 
Is it possible to save up and hire someone to do this next year? I, we may not, we just might not do it next year, but who knows? Who knows? I'll be an older man then. Who knows what'll happen between this year's cold season and next year's cold season? Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, no, it's uh, putting them down for summer. Oh, that is true. Is the step. That is true. Which is much more laborious because you have to hook them to the skylights with little metal hooks. Oof. Little shitty metal oh, hooks. Oh, God. <laughs> I haven't been up to nearly as much excitement as you have. Once again, I've kind of just been getting myself into myriad issues of my own <laughs> derivation. Your self-propelled uh, fear of ice. Yeah, basically. I just sound like, I just sound like a boomer. So I, in doing research for this, and then, and also just keeping up with various Halloween updates of projects I like, I keep mm -hmm. coming across a very, very confusing use of the term AU in fandom spaces. Okay, yes, we touched on this, I forget which episode it was. It was the one we did listener mail on. Right. I think it was uh, Rise of the Brave Tangled Dragons. Yes. Calvin wrote in asking for, like, terminology from fan fiction. Yes, and so AU is a fandom term meaning alternate universe. And the way that I've mm. been seeing it happen, and specifically, so the project that I am pretty passingly interested in right now is a horror project called Welcome Home, which is a chronicling of a fictional television show about puppets in the 70s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you've brought this Yeah, up. and so the thing that I keep seeing, though, on, like, my TikTok for you page, or even back when I was on Reddit, when I used to use it, was that people would put up fan art with, like, Wally Priest AU. Wally is the main character, Wally Darling. And, like, it's just, there's no content attached to it other than just this is the fan art and it's themed fan art. <laughs> and I felt like okay. such an old person because in my day, alternate universe meant it was a universe that you were actually writing, developing, and expanding. So if you have a coffee shop AU even something that simple is like, I've taken all of these characters and I've given them jobs in a coffee shop. That is a coffee shop yes. AU. Mm -hmm. Beach episodes are sometimes canon compliant in universe AUs, where it's like all these characters yeah. are going to the beach. But this fandom in particular is like, this is an AU where all the characters are opposite, but it's like, there's no fix or content attached to it it's literally just fan art it's like the bare minimum undertale yes someone brought uh, that up and when i went to look and make sure i wasn't just like incepting myself to remember this there's a post on like the welcome home subreddit that's like why do people hate au's we use them all the time in the undertale fandom and people love them and I'm mm -hmm. like, maybe because no one understands what you mean and they're expecting more content when you say AU, but you only post one picture. Or sometimes mm -hmm. people post OCs and say, like, this is my, in this case, like my welcome home, o like my welcome home AU instead of OC, where an OC is an original character. 
where they have the bios on the side of the page and like the descriptions and everything. And I am just confused. I don't know if I'm seeing in real time a term shifting definition, but it's so like even even the creator of Welcome Home, um, their name is Clown on Tumblr and they created like, oh, this is Wally Darling as a Pokemon gym leader as a like their own Mm -hmm. little project and people are like posting it like oh yeah if you look at coffins uh if you look at clowns uh pokemon au and it's like he didn't call it an au it's literally just taking his own character and making him look like a pokemon gym leader and that's it so just to dial just to dial back for a second um this is a a horror puppet show so it's we're touching on similar themes here. The whole idea is that there's no trace of this. So you remember the creepypasta about the, the, the TV show that no one remembers? Candle Cove. Yes, Candle Cove. It's kind of like that. Except there is like slowly some entity is reaching out and providing evidence of this show to people who are becoming archivists. And bringing okay. it back to life. I and see. so there's like weirdness surrounding it of like, are the puppets real? Are they real beings in a different reality? It's it's a really interesting, like really involved horror project where it's like, there's definitely something supernatural going on here, but it's kind of unsettling overall. Mm-hmm. These are some good character designs, I'll say that. I absolutely adore them as someone who did grow up on Sesame Street. Loves the Muppets. Like, these are very well done. And then, then like, in recent Halloween updates, like, they have just full, like, audio plays on, like, records that in-universe you would have been able to buy and they would have been themed for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I, it's just such a wonderful passion project that I keep following it. But this was just something that kept reoccurring. I don't know anymore. I just know that I'm getting into that weird phase of my life where I'm going to be on like the older side of any fandom I walk into. <laughs> mm. And so yeah. I just have to roll with it. But the- we may we may touch on similar <laughs> themes with uh, the main topic. <laughs> segways upon segways. We're doing better than the company by now. Yeah. So uh, with that in mind, I don't have much more to decompress about. Yeah. I mean, I think we were talking about y- you read up on a certain yearly list. I did. If we want to, uh, are we putting the wild card before show and tell? Yeah. Uh, unprecedented. <laughs> Well, you know, I think this was one of those weird times where we both came ready with a wild card. Uh And so I think, yeah, if there wasn't much that changed in the yearly list from this year from last year, this could be like a nice little wild card appetizer. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) The wild, you know, you know, it's the, it's the podiversary. We can fit into wild cards. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get a little wacky. (laughs) Gotcha, bitch, it's a wild card. Okay. So, on our very first episode on Creepypasta, the wild card was uh, looking at a list uh, from Science of Scare, 
Yes, this is uh, all which is a to me. which is annually done since 2020, where they try to figure out scientifically the scariest movies of all time. Okay, and they do this by monitoring uh, heartbeats, uh, beats per minute of people while they watch the movies, and see what exceeds uh, standard uh, resting beats per minute. Okay, so. This year, uh, the list is slightly different uh, here. I'll send you a screen cap of what it was in 2022. I'm just going to say, like, looking at the 2022 list and the 2023, the first thing that pops out to me isn't even related to the article. It's who owns where the article is published now. What does that mean? In 2022, it was Broadband Choices UK. And it says here, powered by Money Supermarket, whatever that is. Whatever that is. I, what it, I have but questions. 2023, the article is posted to moneysupermarket.com. <laughs> what is it? The power has become the host. That's so weird. Uh, okay. So there's the 2022 uh, list, the top ten. Right, right, right. And what what it uh, popped out to us going through this was we didn't recognize quite a few of them. Yeah, I because they were very recent and also like made in COVID webcam movies. Yeah, a good number of them. But like, there's Hereditary, The Conjuring, Insidious, It Follows, but like. Dash cam is on here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the 2023 top 10 going from uh, 10 to one. Number 10, Talk to Me. Okay. Heard that's really good. Which I think is a very recent release. Yeah, right? very recent. I heard it's really good. Number nine, Hell House LLC. That's not ringing any bells. <laughs> Okay, I know that one. That's a found footage one um, about, like, a haunted, uh, like, a haunted house at an amusement park. Okay. It's got it's got a creepy clown. Uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, number eight, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Really? Yeah. Like, the original one? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Interesting, okay. Which is not a movie I have thought about in a while. Yeah. Not since, like, getting spooked by the cover in Blockbuster. Oh no, not the Blockbuster covers. Number seven, Smile. Really? That one's weird, because that didn't have much buzz to me. Like, I like, remember it look, being a really B-list movie. In. Yeah. But uh, yeah, smile. Uh, number six, hereditary. Okay, so still on number the list. five, The Conjuring. Okay. Number four, Insidious. So like these moved down one. Yeah, number three, Skinamarink. You know, I know it's polarizing, but I still have a desire to watch it. I I you know enjoyed is not the right word. Mm-hmm. 
But I was scared by Skinnamarink, which seems to be where the polarizing aspect is. Yeah, that's what I'm really interested to know. I think we might even touch on parts of it here. It's like where we derive horror from. Yeah, Skinnamarink touched on some some fears I knew I had. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to go on the, the proverbial roof to know <laughs> that I had these fears. Oh, no. Yeah, that's uh, kind of what's keeping me But it me definitely played it. on some memories I Oof. had. Okay. And it makes sense that it's on top of a list about getting your heartbeat going, because it's all about tension. Yeah. Um, number two, Host, which was number one last year. Right. And number one is Sinister. Okay. Which was number two last year. Okay. You know? We... So the top five <laughs> remain consistent, more or less. Right. It's all the bottom five have changed, because, like... Number, uh, A Quiet Place Part 2 was on last year's list. It's not on this. Paranormal Activity isn't. I'm kind of surprised Terrifier or Terrifier 2 isn't on the new list. Yeah, or Terrified, it says, was number six last year. Yeah. Uh, Terrifier 2 is all the way down at 21, like below the original The Ring. Interesting. Let me see here. So, of... Because they also do another... Uh, oh, they didn't. Okay, never mind. Cut this bit out. I was going to say the uh, the list they do of biggest scare. Ooh. Like the singular moment mm-hmm. that got the uh, most heartbeat, but uh, looks like 2023, they don't have it. Money Money Supermarket decided to cut that what bit. What is Money Supermarket? <laughs> I have no idea. I feel like if I Google it, I'm just going to be disappointed, no matter what it is. There's the full article if you want to scroll down, like what all... Uh, 50 movies are. All the way at number 50, The Thing. And number 49's Alien. Really? That's not even, like, me being like, oh, hurt her, the the older movies are better, obviously. But it's like, I don't know. I find those movies scary. Maybe they're just too set in the pop culture zeitgeist. Like, we just know what The Thing is. We just know what a xenomorph is. It doesn't surprise. Exactly. Like, like a skinnamarink, which was something like you know new. Okay, yeah, because they did say like new films to the study and where they ended up on the list. So like even Evil Dead Rise, Saw X, Insidious, The Red mm. Door, Pearl. Like just yeah, they didn't make the top ten. Megan didn't make it. She's like not even on this list. Interesting. Uh, a wound to all the Megan heads out I there. I know. It's always interesting to look at this list. Horror trends change very slowly, it feels like. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's like stuff you've never even heard of before, you know? Yeah. No. Yeah, that's like, where did these come out? Especially with streaming being such a huge player in the market right now. Yeah. I feel like so many of these movies can just come out and just never just fly under the radar. Yeah, it's all like when Terrifier 2 came out and people were like, oh, my God, the sequel, the the fourth movie in the Art the Clown anthology. And I was just thinking, like, I've never fucking who the fuck is Art the Clown? <laughs> who How is, is it Terrifier 2? But the fourth movie. <laughs> we can cut this, but I looked at what the super save what what the money supermarket is. And I'm just scared. Uh-huh. OK, <laughs> There's a lot of saving money in here. Which sure <laughs> there's makes so sense. much money to be saved. <laughs> it's just it's it's an it's an app. 
it's it's a it, it's a whole bunch of of stuff to buy. I don't know. <laughs> I like that their UI isn't scaled on their desktop uh, version. So, oh yeah, it's like a mobile site, but so mortgage <laughs> says mort. <laughs> They have like they have insurance of every kind. They have loans. I know. This is a UK site, but like their their URL did not lead me to understand that at all. Mission one billion. <laughs> Who are these people? This is the okay. This is going to be an episode for a later <laughs> date. What's the money supermarket lore? Oh no, we're gonna have to unpack that a different time. The Money Supermarket Super 7 Mission $1 Billion? Well, thank you to Money Supermarket for bringing us the the science of scare. I guess. (laughs) See, even though it's like a sponsored website, I'm not even sure how they could go about influencing (laughs) the results of this. You know? Oh my goodness. Oh my god, it just so happens that host is available on the Money Supermarket streaming service. They have a streaming service too? No, they okay. don't. That was a joke. Please, I would believe that was a it. Theoreti- <laughs> they had so many links. That was a theoretical reality in AU. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Oh. Okay. Oh, I feel... So that was wildcard uh, A. An aperitif. Do we want to do show and tell or move to wildcard B? We can we can do some we can do some show and tell. Show and tell time. So for this, we've gone into the wilds of the internet and brought something to the other viewers sight unseen. Mhm. With the intent of of provoking yeah, emotional reaction. Yeah. Um, I, I have something small, okay. something that I, I stumbled across very naturally. Okay. Um, you know, we're getting the, uh, the Scott Pilgrim anime coming right. out. We are looking um, for that. So I, I, I have resubscribed to the Scott Pilgrim subreddit and I came across just like in my, in my Reddit feed, this, this post since been deleted for reasons that will become clear. Uh, this is the, this is the title. Mm-hmm. TBH, we know Scott Pilgrim series set in the early to mid-2000s. I wish animated series sort of a reboot shows a new type X from Ramona Flowers that ain't using anime, but common sense, logic, and good old American firepower to yeet Scott and friends. Okay, but why? <laughs> so that's that's the title. Do they get into that's why? The title. <laughs> in the, the body of the post... Said X I came up with is a male U.S. military operator, as in SF slash SOF operators, or military, private military contractor, likely Blackwater, in his mid to late 20s, who's armed to the teeth, using a number of firearms and explosive arsenal with some melee weapons, with early GWOT combat experience from the mountains of Afghanistan, to the urban warfare chaos of Iraq, which Scott and his friends ain't gonna have a high chance to survive. As I'm tired of anime and prefer some combat pragmatist supervillain who's been through a lot of negative times <laughs> while he thought he found true love with Ramona until things ended up with a nasty breakup. Once he heard Ramona left NYC for Canada for some beta male, Scott might be, 
He's in a huge revenge kill spree that he brought loads of firepower to Canada, possibly end Ramona's life, but would snuff out her loved ones first so she'll die with broken hearts once defeated. Nonetheless, said villain would be defeated, possibly by lethal force. <laughs> Yet, how it's going to execute, I decay. And it might be some Pyrrhic victory, as the villain got his last laugh. Overall, that's my personal opinion. So don't take this too seriously. <laughs> so, so, initial thoughts was that we all have to suffer because OP is tired of anime. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. I just. We're gonna have to have Scott a Scott Pilgrim gritty war. A we're gonna have to have a big talk about doing too much in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so, so top top of response to that post. This idea sucks ass. <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, does OP understand what Ramona's exes symbolize? I <laughs> does he understand I that there's like don't. a method going on here? There's a there's a there's a body being being built. There's a through line being followed <laughs> with the exes. I'm picturing. I am picturing this guy's version of Scott Pilgrim, where, I don't know, after volume five, military American guy shows up and shoots Wallace Wells in the head. I just don't understand. He Does Ramona not already have, like, a grizzled ex? (laughs) Like, multiple... That's what I don't understand. It's like, there's already multiple macho men here. There doesn't need to be any more machismo added to Scott Pilgrim. I'm so thrown by the line. He heard Ramona left New York for Canada for some beta male. And then in parentheses, Scott might be. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of the whole point. Honey, that's a that's a feature, not a bug. That's <laughs> Scott Pilgrim is the beta male. Yeah. Uh, oh, why would why would you hurt makes me? Makes me think. There's a certain level. There's a certain type of edge lord where it's just it's it's just this. It's the military role play edge lord. Oh God. Where it's the people who are like, I can't get behind Fire Emblem because real war, you don't make friendships or fall in love. You just get a you just get a haze behind your eyes and a thousand yard stare <laughs> as the PTS sets in. Stop. It's like <laughs> it's fucking anime, bud. <laughs> it's not that deep. Oh, God. Like, there's so much media out there depicting exactly what it is you're looking for, so I don't know why you are trying to apply the thing you're looking for to material that you deem doesn't have it. (laughs) I would be fascinated by this guy's, like, read-through of Scott Pilgrim, where he, like, highlights the bits he would change. Yeah. Like, why are you here, bud? It doesn't sound like you like it. It sounds like you fundamentally disagree with a lot of it. (laughs) 
Yeah, I also want to know, does this guy go before or after Gideon? Because it sounds like he's stronger. <laughs> it sounds like he's... Since he's using common sense logic and good old American firepower. It sounds like he's a... To yeet Scott and friends. Big, strong man. Guy just put John Wayne into the list of exes. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, think... man, that would be a problem. <laughs> that would be a problem. That would be a gigantic problem. Oh, God. So that's what I have for show and tell. Well, what do you got? I also have a tell for show and tell. As we know, in uh, out here in the front rooms, we uh-huh. know that a certain movie has just come out. A certain movie oh, attached to an eventual event horizon that we will someday tackle. And that there's being... too many event horizons. Everywhere I look, there's an event horizon. <laughs> it's almost like there's a horizon all around us. <laughs> <laughs> this being the FNAF movie that has just premiered. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite thing has been watching the deluge of one-star reviews. So, <laughs> to what end are these one-star reviews? What's their agenda? So, so I'm on IMDb, the bastion of of film criticism. Yes, this is insulting and sad. Says the title. This movie is a joke, right? Please tell me that they are gonna make an adult version of this because this babyfied version is an insult to all FNAF game lovers. Whoever made this ruined it for everyone who is anticipating it so much, including me. The story is completely wrong and some of the animatronics are nice. If you can't make a movie right, don't do it at all. If you can't handle violence, don't make a movie that should be gruesome. The movie's producer clearly wasn't a real fan and should either do some research and try again or give it to someone who can do it right the first time. (laughs) That's one of them that kind of had me rolling. I will... (laughs) I have some thoughts, and we'll get there in a second. But this one's titled, Eight Years of Problems is now 109 Minutes. The (laughs) The original concept of this film began in 2015, four years before a global pandemic, and it was under Warner Brothers, dot, 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 safe hands. They wash their hands of it, and so many script changes and issues has cursed this beloved video game. The fact it finished filming in February 2023 and was released eight months later says it all. The animatronics do look good. Well, hold on. <laughs> Bro just discovered production schedules. Dude just figured out release windows. <laughs> The, uh, the the concept of the film began in 2015, and it didn't get finished until February 2023? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, god! Anyone can come up with a concept. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, wait till we find out about green lighting. <laughs> oh, goodness. I just love this one. One of the worst movies to be released in a good while. <laughs> A good while. (laughs) Excerpt of that one. 
this film could have easily been improved if it wasn't desperately trying to target seven-year-olds, despite most of the fan base being adults or in their late teens by now. It should have been an origin story for the animatronics, not a romantic comedy, teen summer fun-loving movie. But it's not summer anymore, I have to... it's Halloween's. The jury will acknowledge that this movie is rated PG-13. Because FNAF is for children. <laughs> I don't... You know, there is something to call out <laughs> that the original game, the first FNAF game came out eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And that people have aged. Yes. They're, they're still selling plushies. It's like, it, it's like sad old Pokemon fans. <laughs> who are like, Pokemon needs to age up with its original fan base from the 90s. No, Pokemon is a wonderful game for children. Also, the jury will also acknowledge that Scott Cawthon, creator of Five Nights at Freddy's, is a producer and writer of this film. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how the I don't know how they haven't stumbled onto the idea that Scott isn't a very good writer. In, <laughs> or, I just don't. He's know literally to... making up as, it, as he goes. He's he's outright said that he makes it up as because he goes because he wasn't intending for like <laughs> lore. Lore aficionados to go ham over the first and second games. He was just like, I'm going to crank out a game because I don't know. Like, I need something to dislodge my creative block. And then he made yes. another one. And everyone was like, well, now there's lore. You've made two games. And he's like, oh, crap. I got to come up with a story. <laughs> and somehow now we've ended up with Glamrock Chica, who makes everyone feel really weird. Are, are you going to watch the movie? This Hallow's Eve? <sighs> Not for this Halloween. I'm not. I'm not giving my spoopy time slots. I'm more. Uh, I'm more of a Willy's Wonderland stan myself. <laughs> fair. That's also incredibly fair. I've just been trying to find time to squeeze in like my usual movies. I haven't even done that this year. I don't think there was ever a way the Five Nights at Freddy's movie wasn't going to be this weirdly divisive thing, because the weight of expectations from all directions. Which is weird to say about the Five Nights at Freddy's movie, but it's true. All I'm going to say is that the Jim Henson company knocked it out of the park with these wearable, like, costumes. They look yes, amazing. It's literally, it's literally the shit from the games. It can be worn as a costume, and it's also an animatronic. Like, it's kind of insane that they pulled it off. And, of course, the creature shop at... Jim Henson's Creature Company could, like, actually figure that out. Yeah. So, I just wanted to share some salt for today's show and tell. Well, it's, we've been well-seasoned with the salt. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. Maybe there'll be more getting mad at children later in the episode. <laughs> Making fun of children and being mad at children are some of the highest sins of the internet, so... Mm. Yes, we will have to get into that. But I suppose that brings us to the other half of the wildcard sandwich. Gotcha, bitch. It's another wildcard. I was beautifully challenged by my um, amazing supportive partner who was like, you know, a lot of your wildcards are just TikToks. And I was like, don't come for me like that. (laughs) So I went looking and I was like, I can do better. I know I can do better. So I fell upon something that I have fallen upon before that maybe other people who struggle with sleeping will understand, which is just looking 
for weird stuff on Wikipedia. <laughs> sure, yeah. And I came across the page, the article, like the hub on Wikipedia called Unusual Articles. And these are... I've seen Yes, this. and it is just an aggregation of weird articles on Wikipedia that mm-hmm. you can go look through. And I did originally come to this idea because I was actually going to get into some Wikipedia drama, but that would be like an entire episode of its own. And so Mm -hmm. what I did was that, of course, I looked over at lists and there's some amazing lists that exist on Wikipedia, including list of garlic festivals, list of largest hourglasses. There's one here in Portland. Oh, yeah, that is right. I see that sign a lot. And then what I did find, though was the entry for Public Universal Friend. Oh, oh, I know this guy. So for the kids at home, the Public Universal Friend, born Jemima Wilkinson, November 29, 1752, to July 1st, 1819, was an American preacher born in Cumberland, Rhode Island, to Quaker parents. After suffering a severe illness in 1776, the friend claimed to have died and been reanimated as a genderless evangelist named the Public Universal Friend, and afterward shunned both birth name and gendered pronouns. In androgynous clothes, the friend preached throughout the northeastern United States, attracting many followers who became the Society of Universal Friends. The Friend's theology was broadly similar to that of most Quakers. The Friend stressed free will, opposed slavery, and supported sexual abstinence. The most committed members of the Society of Universal Friends were a group of unmarried women who took leading roles in their households and community. Um, many writers have portrayed the Friend as a woman and either a manipulative fraudster or a pioneer for women's rights, and others have viewed the Friend as transgender or non-binary and a figure in trans history. First of all, I think we can all agree that maybe the public universal Friend needed help. (laughs) Potentially, but God, what a power move to be like... How do I? God could not How do I safely me. transition in my my? I have deeply religious community. How did you? I got it. <laughs> Claim I died and was possessed by the non-binary spirit of friendliness. If this was like the greatest epiphany of transition that's ever existed, of just like what do I do with this dysphoria and this like these like harrowing lows. Of life that are being yeah. thrust upon me by my very constraining religion. How do I get? How do I get through this? I just completely burn everything down and become an entire new being. <laughs> There's also, you know, you listen to the two different ways to interpret this. My mind immediately always goes to third skinwalker. <laughs> That's not because that's not a wrong thing. <laughs> if someone like if someone I knew came up to me and was like, "Hi, I died, but now I'm the I'm the spirit of friendliness." Let me I'm the public universal friend. Oh my god. You know, like how humans talk. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got distracted by looking at interpretations and legends, and there's... <laughs> that is 
There's a there's a, a paragraph in here that begins another story began at a 1787 meeting after which Sarah Wilson said Abigail Dayton tried to strangle Wilson while she slept but choked her bedmate Anna Styers by mistake. <laughs> Styers denied anything happened, and others present attributed Wilson's fears to a nightmare. Nevertheless, Philadelphia papers printed an embellished version of the accusation in several follow-ups, while critics alleged the attack must have had the friend's approval, and the story eventually morphed into one in which the friend, who was in a different state at the time, strangled Wilson themselves. One widespread allegation which sparked much hostility was the accusation that the preacher claimed to be Jesus. The friend in the Universal <laughs> Friends repeatedly denied this accusation. So just they never even won. They never won while they were here. <laughs> Everyone in this community claiming to be something else? I don't understand. <laughs> Anyways, I thought, what an icon. I wish there was a way to figure out a good, like, public universal friend costume for Halloween. Mm. I feel like that would be the play. <laughs> I want to know if the Society of Universal Friends is still, uh, <laughs> still open. I mean, there, it doesn't have any link on on Wikipedia, so no, it's hard to tell. Just think it's a fascinating story. Yeah, there's history's so weird when you get down to mm-hmm. like the individuals. Cause this ain't exactly like movie caliber no, narrative. You unless you went went like like weird, I don't know, like elephant man. Yeah. I don't like we're just we're just making shit up. This would have been a good episode of drunk history lessons though. Mm, yeah. Could absolutely see that. Anyway, that was Public Universal Friend. Maybe maybe for one of our wackier episodes, we'll, we'll just do weird Wikipedia articles. Oh, I love it. Put that one in the spreadsheet. All right. We've decompressed and shown and told and wild carded. And I think it, uh-huh. I think it might be time for the back grooms. <laughs> okay, let's, let's no-clip fam. Get on with it. So, Merv, what what is what has your experience with the backrooms been? My experience with the backrooms, much like many things in my life, began with this older, eldritch entity in my life called Fru. Damn it! <laughs> going, hey, little Merv. It was twenty nineteen. Have you heard of what the backrooms are <laughs> and what the children are doing to it? Oh, God. How weird that this is so recent. It's it's so incredibly recent. It is. It's so weird. Um, so I think I came across the backrooms through sort of the the perpendicular fandom that is getting into liminal spaces. Yeah. Because... I th- in for some reason in the early 2020s people got really obsessed with places they couldn't go to crazy what a what a concept uh because because we were all locked inside right and uh and we got really nostalgic for malls <laughs> all of a sudden 
Well, I guess that should be said, what exactly liminal spaces are. The idea of a liminal space has been often argued online, but we kind of have reached a consensus, I think? Okay, Wikipedia says liminal spaces in terms of internet aesthetics are empty or abandoned places that appear eerie, forlorn, and often surreal. Liminal places mm-hmm. are commonly places of transition pertaining to the concept of liminality. And so these are things like hallways. These are things like uninhabited bedrooms or hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. It's liminal in of itself means something that's transitory. It is the space in between spaces. Right, right. So, you know, it can be as basic as something as like, the sidewalk from your house to the supermarket. Right. That's liminal. It is not a space that is meant to be lived in. Right. You know, a doctor's waiting room is a liminal space. Exactly. And this even speaks to, like, interesting phenomena like internet aesthetics, which birthed concepts like vaporwave Mm -hmm. into the common, into the pop culture zeitgeist itself. So that's also in the huge umbrella that the backrooms fell out of. Yeah, and I think I've always had this fascination with liminal spaces, and it wasn't until there was a fandom around it that I got, like, the words to describe it. Yeah. It was one of those light bulb moments of, like, oh my god, the experience is universal. Right, Um, right. Because my family and I, uh, back when we were a, a wee bit poorer, we used to, rather than fly places, we would drive. Of course, yeah. And so I spent a lot of times, like, very young, pulling off to the road at, like, 9 p.m. and getting into, like, an unknown hotel. Yeah. And I just developed this, like, I don't know, fondness for the hotels themselves. And there was a Tumblr post that got circulated around that really sums it up for me, which I'm, I'm going to read off mm-hmm. here, which is... I really enjoy just existing in hotels. The long identical hallways, the soulless abstract art, the weird noises the air conditioner makes, strange city lights in the window, six stories off the ground, strangers chatting in the hall, nothing in the dresser, no past, but an infinite present. I love that post. It has lived rent-free in my brain for years. Mm-hmm. And I am very much identifying with a lot of what you just said because my parents were road trip pros. And so we mm-hmm. yeah. often did that. The last time that I embarked on a trip like that with them was literally just to go to Mount Rushmore over a weekend. And so it yeah. was like driving through plain states, going to souvenir shops, <laughs> like gigantic mm-hmm. souvenir shops. Mount Rushmore, I, we went right before closing that is a bizarre liminal space when you are in a tourist attraction with no people in it. <laughs> mm, I can imagine, yeah. And it's also the thing about liminal spaces is that it looks so much like what so many people's dreams do look like. It feels nostalgic. And for a lot of people, that feels incredibly confr- like confrontational. And I think we'll see this disconnect where young people don't experience liminal spaces exactly the same way. Yeah, I think there is something in liminal spaces where it's it's the repetition of art architecture mm-hmm. across um, not just America, but you know places. Uh, malls generally have the same sort of blueprints and layouts, mm-hmm. you know, and you know even like I remember one time in my like 
young going over to like a neighbor's house uh to to get something and i stepped through the threshold and i was like this is the exact same layout as my house yeah and that's like it's the exact same layout they but they have their tv room is a different room from where it is in my house where they have the dining table is different it just creates this weird like uncanny valley effect of like i've been here but not here yes absolutely and i think that's what liminal space what it evokes for me like looking at it like a picture of a hotel pool room Mm -hmm. and being like i haven't been to that specific one but it looks just like a pool room I've been to. Yes. And I can I can smell the chlorine. I can hear like kids like shouting as they play rambunctiously in the jacuzzi, like one just out of frame mm-hmm. and things like that. Oh yeah. And it just like wells up these emotions of nostalgia. Yes. Or honestly like the weirdest sensation that I have or have and like actually willingly live in multiple times. When I was in college, my parents moved house. We've, since we've moved a lot, it's no, it's I can never go back to my childhood bedroom. I don't really know what that is. <laughs> I don't have a concept of that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, my parents moved house when I was in college, and for like six months, I kind of lived out of boxes after I graduated college. So I lived out of boxes yeah. in this room that was like mine, but like sort of mine, before I moved into my own apartment. So, like, this room is quote-unquote mine, and I think of it as my room, but it's not really my room, and I've never really lived there. (laughs) I've kind of stayed there. It's so weird. It's a bizarre sensation to be like, this is my space, but also not my space. And now, as the room takes on different forms and is used for different functions, but still looks like a room that I inhabited, it's so, it's bizarre. Utterly bizarre. Yeah. But the back rooms as a concept. So what does this have to do with horror? Right. Right. So in 2019, 4chan, which still exists for some reason, on X, the paranormal board, like had like a thread going over like cursed images, things that feel off or wrong. And this image of a weird looking yellow room with mismatched wallpaper and dank looking floors and bad fluorescent lighting. Um, someone posted it and there's this famous copy pasta that goes with it and it's kind of set up the entire foundation of the back rooms. Yeah, so and this was the the copy pasta was a reply right. to it. Like the thread started like with that picture saying like, hey, anyone else have like pictures of this sort of energy? Yeah. Yeah. This sort of liminal space, but has, like, a sinister aura to it. Exactly. And the response is, if you're not careful and you no-clip out of reality in the wrong areas, you'll end up in the back rooms, where it's nothing but the stink of old moist carpet, the madness of mono yellow, the endless background noise of fluorescent lights at maximum humbuzz, and approximately 600 million square miles of randomly segmented rooms, empty rooms, to be trapped in. God save you if you hear something wandering around nearby, because it sure as hell heard you. And thus a fandom was born, and now we're here. To kind of, like, ease into the concept outside of, like, the liminal space. Right. I don't know what sort of, like, jobs you've worked in your Mm -hmm. life, but whenever you go behind the scenes of a workplace, 
it's it's a weird feeling, especially if it's a place you've been like been to before. Mm-hmm. Um, because it will always have a completely different energy from the quote unquote front. Oh rooms. yeah, when you work retail, um, this is huge. Yeah, so I have worked at uh, conventions, mm-hmm. um, the convention center, the expo center. I've worked concessions for both. And, you, you know, we'll have, like, a convention going on, like, the uh, the recent Portland Retro Game Expo, mm-hmm. which we both mm-hmm. went to. Um, and, you know, that has, like, an arcade. It has, like, you know, sort of the lights a little dim. People are walking around in costumes, cracking jokes and stuff. Uh, the smell of B.O. was omnipresent. And then, like, you know, you as an employee will open one of, like, the large double doors and slip into the back rooms which is just where the employees go to get supplies and stuff or go to their break room. Yeah. And just immediately, different energy, the lighting is much brighter, the smell is gone, the noise is gone. Mm-hmm. You're in this, like, very different reality all of a sudden. Some, and that is- someone opened one of those doors when we were at the expo and I was taking a little um, social break <laughs> by the mm-hmm. wall to get away from crowds and I was just looking down that hallway and I'm just like, I want to go to there. I want to be in there. Yeah. (laughs) Or if you've ever been to like Disney world and taken the, uh, the tours of the the tunnel doors. Yeah. So people who don't know a Disney world and Disneyland are technically like above ground built on this. Yeah. They're built on this network of tunnels that pop out at various, like, hidden entrances and locations, and that's so employees can hide away and get to their, like, break rooms, their uh, their locker rooms, or even just transfer from land to land very quickly. Right, because Disney World was built on a swamp, and so they had to dig out the swamp <laughs> to yes. build on it. and you can go on... And in recent years, people have expressed a lot of interest. Like, I want to see the secret employee maze... And you can go on tours there. Yeah. And, you know, you can see stuff like Goofy with his mask off taking a smoke break and things like that, you know? Right, right. And it just creates this very weird feeling because, again, like I said, it just doesn't match the look of the rest of the park. Exactly. And it's like you're being shown some hidden secret, like, puppeteer reality. Yeah. And that is the concept for the back rooms. What if Earth itself has this other side to it where who knows what goes on but it exists yeah and for i guess those that those of us that are not in on the lingo i've actually seen some people be like what is no clipping and it's like either because you're too young to know when that was really a huge deal or you're not in those right fandom circles or for whatever reason no no clipping is just when you fall through an object that you shouldn't fall through. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, in a video exactly, game. Exactly, like in a video game. Primarily. And so it's... It, it, the interesting thing about the creepypasta is that it has this whimsy to it in the writing. Mm-hmm. And I think that cursed things, but we'll get there. <laughs> so people started sort of workshopping this idea of these back rooms. Right. And like what, you know, because it's all they have to go off of is a picture. Mm-hmm. This idea of liminal spaces and the idea that there is something there. Yeah. Something that may have heard you and God help you if it heard you. Exactly. Um, and nothing really happens until 
Kane Pixels comes onto the scene. Sure, and in it should be said like the back rooms. Like I was on the subreddit when Kane Pixels showed up, and so mm-hmm. like there was a fandom. It was operating, but it was like people just kind of rolling around in the fandom and being like, oh, I made a fic of, like, a wanderer. And wanderers are people who have fallen into the back rooms and are exploring. And it's like, we're messing around with the idea of fan content. but It's still in that phase of, like, liminal space pictures with an unsettling aura to them. Exactly. And then, yeah, like you said, Kane Pixels shows up. And Kane Pixels was... Was he 17 when he did this? When you look at that channel, it's so impressive. Because, yeah, he's 17 with Blender, so 3D rendering software, and a dream. Because he just comes on the scene swinging with this... Fully formed idea. Fully formed idea. The first one is a found footage film of a group of friends hanging out in 1999. And one of them falls through a concrete like asphalt floor and enters the back rooms with his video camera and is able to document Mm -hmm. what's going on. But this is just a, he, so what Kane did is that he looked at the lore that was currently existing and just said, okay, but what if this thing and just completely diverged. So now we have a branching path of fandom where there is acknowledgement on all sides of like, Oh, there's, Backrooms, there's backrooms purists, and then there's like Kane Pixel's backrooms, where this guy's yes. just totally doing his own thing. He is l- quite literally a maverick. And so mm-hmm. his whole thing is like 1980s big bad capitalism metaphors. Yeah, and... we're gonna we're gonna profit off the back. Exactly. Rooms. Like a company called Async has stumbled upon the backrooms themselves and are researching it because they want to package and sell it as infinite living and storage space. The first video, which I think is very effective and it's also very self-contained before he had this lore, it's just a guy wandering around these different sort of liminal space environments, many of which are evocative of, like, it pictures that got famous in the liminal space community. And then it ends with, like, this creature made of strings chasing him and he falls through the floor again only and he comes back to earth only he's like miles above the ground and he falls and presumably splatters right the follow-up videos from that start having these iconic yellow hazmat guys right wandering around exploring the back rooms talking about it in a very like clinical way of like oh gotta get our reports in by such and such time, we got to explore this sector. Yeah, we got to explore these levels. The idea that cert that you know that yellow room you start in is like a level zero, and from there you can go to different areas that also interconnect. Which is which is canon compliant with so far. It's like everything about the structure of the back rooms in like. You enter the back rooms by falling through something on Earth, and there's Mm -hmm. multiple levels, and then there's entities. That stuff is all original canon. This stuff with, like, the corporation and, like, the evil guys and the capitalism, that's all completely Kane. Yes. And so... Kane Pixels is also very light on the monsters themselves, what would later be known as the entities. Yes. 
Like, that first video is really the only one that has, like, a, a monster you can see on screen. Mm-hmm. Later ones, when it has this async framing, is stuff like, oh, we set up four different cameras in this intersection to just kind of fill them for 24 hours. Yeah. And you see, like, around the corner, way off in the distance, like, some sort of shape, like, peer out and then peer away. Something will, like, just flap its arm, and then <laughs> it's something that you would normally yeah. see, like, a red circle drawn around. It's it's all mm-hmm. very light-handed. And people get on him for like, oh, it's an unoriginal story. It's like, my guy is my my guy is just experimenting really and being very successful with this experiment to a point where A24 is like, yeah, we got the back rooms. We're doing a movie. We have Kane Pixels, <laughs> which is honestly incredible. Like, I'm so happy for Kane, and I just hope that people are taking care of him in this industry. Yeah, I would hope that he uh, has a long career ahead of him, because it's a very impressive, like, opening thing. Absolutely. And honestly, The Backrooms wasn't even, like, his first foray into this. It's not like his channel begins with The Backrooms. He has tons of videos before that. Honestly, his Attack on Titan stuff is really cool. But that's only one, so that's only one branch of the Backrooms fandom. They're, that's pretty cut and dry. Yes. This guy came, he is making his, he's making his stance on it, and they, like, everyone leaves him alone and lets him do what he wants. Like a lot of fandoms, it's the people show up who have the highest production to their entries yeah. sort of form a bedrock for a, a spinoff. Fandom. Exactly. And so, because... Kane does bring a mob of new fans to the backrooms. So the backrooms already existed, but not on the scale that it does once Kane enters the scene, which starts inspiring more and more animations on platforms like TikTok. Like, for reference, his first backrooms video has 53 million views on YouTube. Crazy. I mean, and not without reason. If you haven't watched it for the kids at home, you need to go watch it. It's really cool. It's really short. You can get through the series yeah. pretty fast. You can get the entire concept in, of the backrooms from yeah, them. and and a completely valid concept of the backrooms. We should say yes. because we're gonna get into the things that kind of drive people either deeper or further away from it when we talk more about what's going on in these wikis and the subreddits. Yeah, so r slash the backrooms get started on Reddit <laughs> for people to sort of workshop a little more to like post like, hey, here's a picture of my school hallway that has kind of has backrooms vibes. Right, because, and it should be said, like it wasn't made for that. Like it's been, <laughs> it wasn't made, it, it was like, let's talk about like building, building the lore. Let's talk about building levels and like, getting new entities we're gonna talk about why people attribute the downfall of this fandom to children and a huge part of it is like what you're saying posting pictures of your empty school hallway and being like guys i'm stuck what level is this so (laughs) the back room starts to take this creepy pasta angle to it we know which is when we talk when in that sense i mean that the role play becomes an aspect to posting yes it gets concepted in this fandom that 
the backrooms is real mm-hmm. and r slash the backrooms and the backrooms wikis are how wanderers document and catalog the places they found. They are communal hubs. Right. For for wanderers to say like, hey, I, I found this level that no one found before. Here are the details of it. Exactly. And you're sort of writing in character and sort of reacting to other posters as if the information being presented is real. And it shifts from this Kane Pixels perspective of like async, this corporation is clinically mapping out and looking to commercialize the backrooms to this like scrappy group of frontiersmen exploring this strange new realities. Yeah. And colonizing it. Yeah, because <laughs> in some capacities. <laughs> because there's like oh gosh, I remember super old super old content which I would just I would torture myself reading these things because I found I have found out very quickly that I've just never been into extended backrooms lore. Mm-hmm. I fall into the purest category and I'm a little ashamed of it because I feel like a curmudgeon. I I remember so much like just these concepts of do you remember the SCP that's basically just a giant IKEA? Yeah. It felt like every post I was reading was from the guy stuck in the SCP IKEA. <laughs> yeah, and that's another thing is this SCP angle to do it and we I, we haven't really touched on scp before right. the basic idea is like i don't know what if the men in black yeah or like warehouse 13 it's a very governmental like bureaucratic approach to documenting supernatural entities and phenomena by classifying yes. them writing about them and chronicling them in a technical way and even creatively expunging details as needed in order to create intrigue. And it's this yeah. and so, creative community project. And that's what the backrooms were even before Kane showed up and like really made a huge impact on the fandom. And so then it, it turned from creative community project to mass roleplay. Yes, because SCPs are generally limited to like objects and creatures yeah but the back rooms the different flavor here is now you have objects creatures and locations right and for like the different levels and it's like you know you go on the the, from here the fandom really splinters to different wikis that all have different they generally have the same sort of like what levels one through ten yes that those are but very largely the idea upon. of the back rooms becomes that there are unlimited floors question mark and so people are like i want to make level 337 it's a f- infinite water park and if you go through the red slide because all the slides are blue then you wind up at level 472 you know yep oh 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 okay i went and looked on the backrooms wiki dot which is the one that i've been using that's the most consistent one for um, they have the most rules yeah they have they do now they do now they have the most rules in moderation and they didn't always but there's level 119 which is i think a water park and then level 58 also has a water park. 
Yeah, a lot of redundancies. There's so many redundancies added. in this fandom because everyone's making a level, and they're all going off of the same, you know, the same sort of ideas of like, but I can come up with a scary water park for the back rooms. And also, over time, the scariness factor also starts getting away because it gets into this this frontiersman exploration community. Yes. Like, what? what's the, what is it, the MEG? Yeah, whatever that is. Which is, like, the community of, like, in the lore, the MEG... I need to look up what this is called. Yeah, because it, no, not not the movie Meg, <laughs> not the uh, Meg. It's uh the major explorer group, which is this scrappy group <sighs> of internet savvy people going into the back rooms to explore and set up bases and document. But it doesn't have this like weird capitalism. Like, yeah. it's not, they're not a governing body, yeah. they're not a corporation. They're just all people who have ventured into or have fallen into the back rooms and have banded together. And yes. we're not even talking about party crashers. Oh, the party goers? No, there's party crashers so, that fight the party goers. Coming at this from, like, where the fandom is now over the course of four yep. years, I had to do a lot of, a lot of archaeology, uh to go back because a lot of the very heinous parts of the fandom have been like deleted. Good. Um, the wiki, the wiki dot wiki has a whole article detailing the history. It's like in intervals of like two month periods, like the period of peace yeah. lasting from January, 2022 to June, 2022. Yeah. Then the era of turbulence. Yes. And it's like, what really stuck out to me was like, they did a mass purge of all the pages that were too short or too low effort. Yes. Um, and they went from 2,500 pages to just 800 and over the course of three months. Now they've gone to a split called normal levels and enigmatic levels. And mm-hmm. on the wiki dot, normal levels are like, okay, this basically resembles what we think a backroom should be. And then an enigmatic level is where we kind of just push all the silliness. What I've seen most people get upset about are these party-goer entities, which are these yellow cube men with a smiley face carved on them. So what's really weird is that they're not on the wiki dot anymore, but I think they've just been absorbed into the skin stealers. Yes, and what they basically do is they try to lead wanderers to... Basically, like, they, they try to look all friendly and, and entice you with a party. They give you cupcakes and balloons. Yeah. Which really tells you that this is for children, because yeah. that's what children would find enticing. Uh, but really, they're just going to kill you once they get you alone. So- and <laughs> what became part of the role play for these is that the party goers had access to the internet. There's Wi-Fi in the back rooms. <laughs> yeah, they would make up fake entries saying like oh this level is safe if you go to the green room and it would end it with a smiley face and that's how you knew it was a party goer yeah um now i'm just gonna say i'm just gonna say go ahead i'm just gonna say that's hug monster (laughs) i knew it sounded familiar (laughs) this tastes like hug monster because on the Sporum, when a user wanted to roleplay that their account had been hijacked by a hug monster, 
when they wrote an ellipses, it would contain an extra period. (laughs) (laughs) Even that's somehow more subtle. So all these kids come on and be like, I want to role play a spooky monster. So I'm going to make like party goer entries on the wiki for spice. And those all had to be purged. And it makes sense because we should also say that they're not just TikTok content for the backrooms, but Roblox content for the backrooms. Minecraft, Minecraft content, content. Anywhere that people... Anywhere like, you, you know, can... Minecraft at least makes Yeah, sense, anywhere you could make you can... a backroom, there was suddenly a huge fandom of kids coming along. And when I mentioned earlier that like kids experience liminal spaces differently, it's because they are so present-minded. They don't really have an mm-hmm. idea for nostalgia and past and like putting concepts of things that they have once seen into what they're currently seeing. They're so present and future-minded. And not even future-minded, but, like, literally just, they are the hotel room of humans. Like, just no future, no past, only present. And that's Mm -hmm. why it's, like, I think, oh, gosh, when I was talking to my partner about this, we were saying it really well. Like, he put it so well of this is, like, the difference between the thing being super scary and finding like the defibrillator scene scary or the blood test scene scary because the defibrillator like the defibrillator scene has the big scary monster in it <laughs> but yeah. the blood test mm-hmm. you don't know who the big scary monster is and that's what's scary <laughs> scrolling through uh the so th- the Reddit's now <laughs> Splinter, because now there's r slash the backrooms, r slash true backrooms, r slash backrooms retreat. Hilariously, everything but the backrooms is really dead. I don't know if you noticed yes. that too. I But I found this post yes. that I think sums up where the fandom got at a certain point. Yes. Which is like the backrooms back then, where it's like, you know, it's it's the shriveled Wojak, and he's like, where am I? What is this place? I'm all alone. Does this place ever end? Am I the only one here? And it's like the back rooms now. Oh no, it's Chuck, aka SC, I mean Entity 69691273. Luckily, I found a blue crayon. He loves blue crayons, but hates purple ones. So the worst you'll do is open a wormhole to level negative two instead of just shoving a firecracker up my ass. Yeah. I... I, I do remember distinctly being on the backroom subreddit when more and more partygoers were showing up. Um, they would just be partygoers and like openly, openly roleplay with their boyfriends and girlfriends in the subreddit in just the loudest way and just be like, and maybe it was adults roleplaying as children, which again is weird and you need to get off the internet. But it's, oh, it's such, it was such an issue. With a... It just got very video game. It, it got really. Suddenly, video there game-y. are mechanics. There are mechanics. It's like, oh, you can defeat this monster by doing blank, and it's like all becomes very arbitrary and much less mysterious. Through, explain to me, and you, you know, I'm not putting you as the arbiter of this. But where did almond water come into the equation? Bro, I've been trying to find the origin for almond water. Forever, because someone mentioned it at some point for memes. I'm so 100% sure of it, and now it's everywhere. And I hate it. I hate it so much because this was literally just memes. I know it was, but now it's it like. It had to be. It was just taken A so seriously. A non couldn't come up with almond water. Oh my god. It was an almond water out of 
so almond so, water is a is a uh, resource in the back rooms that you can find bottled yes. or in spring form or in just pool water form or ocean form. It's everywhere. All, basically, all bodies of water are almond. That's water. all there is is almond water, and it has curing properties in some levels. I don't know why. It restores your sanity. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> I just, I saw one of these levels that was like, this is also the most plentiful source of almond water. I'm like, this is a building with carpet. Why would you do that? (laughs) And it's like, I know why you would do that. Because that is a wacky, whimsical, off-putting thing to write. And that's what we're trying to do here. Some of the writing is just, there's not a style guide, I've noticed. There's not a style guide for any of the backrooms wikis or the subreddit not like there is for an example the scp fandom scp has a style guide it functions very much like wikipedia early on there was no like vetting yeah for posts you could just make a post yes just looking at some of these other ones it really really got into like the video game let's explore let's do urban exploration you know yeah of like here, level six point one, the snack room, Ugh. which is, which is a fast food place that has infinite food, and wanderers come there to fill up before they they venture into more dangerous and food desolate zones. And it's like that should is there spooky stuff there? It's just no. Then why is it here? Minimal entity count. Why is it here? It's just a safe place where you can get infinite food because if you're writing stories, and there are. St- yeah, there, there, there are, are so many for the back room. If you're writing stories, you need to like address the question of like how do these wanderers get supplies? And they can't live off almond water. Yes, it can't. So it's no longer like, oops, I I slipped into this mysterious v- void area of reality. Yeah, it's I am now deliberately exploring with my pals. Yes. And sometimes they're scary monsters, but that's all part of the fun and the thrill. Believe me, I have, in the past week, found so many FNAF backrooms they use, where it's the pals from Five Nights at Freddy's, the animatronics, being anthropomorphic animals running around in the backrooms as explorers and friends. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that for these people. I love that for these authors. I am personally confused by it. And that's that's a that's a me problem. Um, but like the lack of so I was for review, I was listening to a great YouTuber that I really enjoy, Sagan Hawks, go over the first one hundred levels of the backrooms. I watched that video. Okay, too. good. When it got to, and it really highlighted my problem because when it got to level forty-seven, there was a bit of. First, I'm already noticing the repetition. This level has almond water this level has almond water this one has supply crates this one has entities this one is a twisting like network of really creepy thin hallways that you have to like walk sideways through and it's like yeah okay we've already got like a lot of repetition here level 47 is a primeval old growth forest that is highly resistant to both entropy and man-made alterations right there great that's all you need when it got to a sentence that was like During daylight hours, the forest is uniformly covered in a thick, damp fog, and no direct sunlight has ever been observed. I listened to this, and I just got... My creative writing brain broke, because I was like, all fog is damp. 
Fog only <laughs> arrives when the air is damp. That is not technical writing. You are you are doing narrative See me after class. <laughs> yes, and I'm like you are doing narrative fiction writing in a technical space that would have benefited so much more from lack of detail. And I get so many groans for bringing this up all the time, but it is the one thing I love in a project that focuses on technical writing like SCPs typically do, but like also like Mystery Flesh Pit National Park as an ARG, which mm. is incredible for just being like, this is just a pamphlet explaining the hours of this park and the things that you'll see in it, but also it's a fictional national park based in a living cave. It's yes. like the horror is just from the objective presentation. It's something of the unobservable infinite possibilities are tantalizing and scary, but the factor of let's actually count the number of infinite possible floors and entities and actually put them to paper yes. kills it. There's such an idea of eldritch horror here, but there's too many details for it to ever exist, like ever to come to fruition. It's like if you pulled up, like, the H.P. Lovecraft story literally called The Unnameable, and then you're like, I want to I wanna put this more to that. I wa- <laughs> what, what is its, what is The Unnameable's name? <laughs> um, and this is even, like, you know, like we said, from here it really splinters into different directions, and it's not really AUs like we talked about. It just becomes different interpretations of the lore. Yeah. Because did, did you find this whole Pantheon thing? No, no, I probably did, but I probably ignored it. Uh, so this is like, this is a very recent edition. Okay. And it's very, it's very secular. It's very, uh, like, only by, like, admission you get to add Pantheon pages. But it's literally, What's it a like... Pantheon of? It's like the, the Masters... The old gods of the back rooms. Oh my god. The architects, the people that made the floors. Why did someone have to make it? I, I hear it like, Augustus, the angel of creation, his beauty is unrivaled as his ambition. He spins flesh and bone and bone from his finger. T- oh, he spins flesh, blood, and bone from his fingertips, breathing life into all the lesser and grateful animal spirits of the plains. Claudius, the champion, the grand Empyrean, and perfect and glorious first of the knights. It is from him that we learn to protect what we hold most dearly. He is a fierce and valiant warrior, a knight in shining armor. All foes in his path are vanquished by the blade of valor. We honor him by fighting for what we believe in. This all just made me incredible. Also, what if there was an infinite McDonald's kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> exactly! Like, we're all operating in the same thing here! It's, like, it's to a degree that, like, the wiki dot, backrooms wiki dot wiki dot has a contest right now for Classic Con 2023, which is like, hey, we're doing some pretty wacky stuff right now. Let's have a contest for the best classically styled backrooms floor. And it's so weird to think, like, this started in 2019. Yeah. You know, objectively, that's where the first, like, backrooms, like, spawning point is. It's been, like, it's like four all years. this drama, all this splintering, all these different directions came in the last four years. This isn't even getting into when you search backrooms on Steam. Yes. 
and the you shovel get five wear. pages of different games. Backrooms, the backrooms, escape the backrooms, inside the backrooms, the backrooms survival, within the backrooms, enter the backrooms, backrooms multiplayer, backrooms deluxe, the backrooms footage, return to the backrooms, the backrooms deeper, in the backrooms, backrooms world, backrooms experiment, the backrooms simulator, the backrooms colon escape, into the backrooms, the backrooms unbounded, survive the backrooms, the backrooms project, the backrooms lost tapes, beneath the backrooms, flee the backrooms, upside backrooms, survive the backrooms, against the backrooms, infinitum, a backroom story. The backrooms, the garden, the backrooms, last expedition. <laughs> Next bots in the backrooms. Welcome to the backrooms. The backrooms found footage. Backrooms liminal reality. Into the backrooms. Backrooms mass extinction. Survival in the backrooms. The backrooms recorded. Reality no clip. The backrooms. The backrooms origins. Can't escape the backrooms. The backrooms footage bundle. Exit the backrooms. Light in the backrooms. Explore the backrooms. Welcome to the backrooms. Deja vu the backrooms. The backrooms game free edition. The backrooms the project. Adrift in the backrooms. That is page one. Oh my god. I was just gonna let you keep going. That's so many of them. There's no reason. I can go at least... It goes eight pages before you start seeing things that don't have backrooms in the title. I'm just so... I'm because it's not a licensed property, yeah. so anyone can do what they want with it. If Netflix wanted to be like we're making a backrooms show, yeah, there's not really anyone can do to stop them. They can't because no one owns it. Yeah, no one owns it, and I'm just <sighs> there's it's too much. There, there's so yeah. much. It's oversaturated as a fandom, and I think that's a huge reason why, like, any naysayers are quickly pushed to the side. So if you go to any mm. of the off-brand, like, retaliatory subreddits, yeah, they're completely unpopulated now because people just burn out the second they lose interest. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I have two more things yeah. that I want to bring up. Um. The first is, uh, you know, I I found this post that was really enlightening and put into perspective why the fandom got like it was with the oversaturation of levels mm -hmm. and entities and safe zones right. and things like that. And it was on the wiki.forums mm. where a post went up uh, in June, which was like, if the backrooms were real... What would you do? And you basically outlined, like, say you wake up tomorrow, and you wake up in a world where the backrooms are real, you just know it is, you have all your knowledge from the wiki and stuff, you're still in the front rooms, which is just Earth, it's just reality, Right. what would you do? And there was a reply that was, I would go straight to trying to no-clip into the backrooms. I feel like in the backrooms, I would be free. No worries, no school or work. No more meaning in life, and I can just spend the rest of my days in peace. I would explore, feel the adrenaline from the risk of my life, and more. I could meet people, live in beautiful levels, and live a life full of fun, but also some terror. A more interesting life nonetheless. Maybe I'm being crazy. IDK. You were wrong. OP, you were born in the wrong decade. We did this already with the Matrix. We did this already. I know. <laughs> and, yeah. It's just like... Like we talked about in our Avatar episode, people just want to explore locations because all of our fiction and, you know, history is about the great explorers. Yeah. And, you know, 
it's too it's too early to be exploring the stars. So yeah, and if fuck it, we got to explore <laughs> our imagination. Got to explore the back rooms. And it's like if every story is like the call to adventure, and there's never been a call to adventure for you, and you have to it's, create um, one. Um, <laughs> I think this comes at an intersection of something else that came up in the end of the 2010s, start of the 2020s, which is like isekai fiction got really huge out of nowhere. Just gigantic. Absolutely huge. And for those that don't know the terminology, isekai is basically a genre of manga and anime, which is like, I woke up in a fictional reality. Yeah. I I died or something, and I was reincarnated in fucking, I don't know, Lord of the Rings or something. Right. And I have all my knowledge and genre savviness of what happens in the Lord of the Rings, and I'm going to use that to my advantage to make a better story or something to that effect. Yes. Yes. Also, a lot of them involve, like, I reincarnated into a video game, and now I can level up and do ex- and do damage exploits and shit. I don't know. Yeah. But I got a lot of shades of that looking into this more non-scary portion of the backrooms lore. Oh, there's scary portions of the background of the backrooms lore. I need to stop relying on AO3 for fic contributions. But as far as these um backrooms short films on YouTube, Kane Pixels sort of opened the genie in the bottle of that. Absolutely. And people started doing like their own versions of Kane Pixels things. Uh, this channel returned to render. Mm-hmm. I found really endearing. Oh, yep, I think I've come across them. And it basically comes up as, like, not exactly a satire of Kane Pixels, but sort of doing a more lighthearted comedic edge. Yeah. With still having that that vibe of, like, the original Backrooms concept of it being, like, wholly unknowable. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's animated in Blender. It's the yellow hazmat guys talking very clinically about stuff. But it just sort of has, like, a workplace comedy feel to it, which is... Bad shit happens, and they just sort of move on with their day. Yeah. The comedy is so quick and funny and has just a dry sense of humor about yeah. it. It's it's what I'm interpreting. That is my canon back rooms. Yeah. My back rooms is just an empty room. That's it. <laughs> I just... No monsters. No magic. It's just... It's just the lair behind reality. It's just my own mind telling me that there's monsters there. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's another thing that's like as as like the levels and the lore evolved, it really lost that feeling of being the back rooms. You know yeah. the space behind reality. Because it's like, okay, then what the hell is Earth then? Is Earth just level nine thousand ninety-nine? It's it's this really weird sensation of you've taken a horror concept in which you have no control and you've added mm-hmm. so many tangible concepts to it that you could theoretically control or at least control outcomes because yeah. the fear of like the loss of control is just too big for a lot of people to handle or just uninteresting to a lot of people. Yeah. I think that's a huge just linchpin of the fandom entirely is like what actually scares you is going to really affect what you get out of this. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that leads me to my last question. Do you think the back rooms are scary, Murph? I guess. No, 
I mean, in the sense of being like, I don't think Jason Voorhees is scary, but if he was after me, I'd be afraid. (laughs) You know, danger is scary, yes, but at this point, I've just had my... My perception of it is so ruined by having to delve into these levels yeah. of, you know, of gamifying the whole experience that it just really does remove the tension and horror of that original concept of, like, you know, what what if Eldritch Monster was Eldritch Location? <laughs> you know? What if we lived in the SCP? <laughs> yeah. What if you... What if you just found yourself in a place you couldn't explain? Yeah. Yeah. And you had to wander there till you starved to death. Like, that's scary. Exactly. And that's why I think I am so beholden to, like, the original and I'm, like, such an ass about <laughs> when it comes to new stuff. I feel like an old man shouting at clouds. It's definitely something we saw uh, talking about Slenderman yeah. one years ago. Uh, where it was, like, you know, the original Slenderman was just a picture. Yep. It was just a weird Photoshop picture, and then people were like, Slenderman was sighted in ancient Egypt by the Pharaoh Seti the First. It's not scary <laughs> it's like, anymore. You've given him t- yeah. you've given him too much. <laughs> yeah. It's always <sighs> It's a good thing we didn't see Jaws that much in the movie. <laughs> people don't remember <laughs> yeah. this. There's a huge difference between Jaws and Jaws 3D. The back rooms as it is now is Jaws 3D. <laughs> that is a beautiful. Uh, <laughs> this fandom is a giant severed foot flying at my face at Mach two miles an hour. That's that's what this is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> oh man, Murph, I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah. Who knew that the easy backrooms episode was going to be such a mental drain? Well, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, Listen, it's... next time we'll do something easy. I'm sure <laughs> we'll get it under an hour again, <laughs> maybe someday. Someday we will. But you know, it's it's been a year of doing this this bad idea. Yeah, and I still look forward to it every time. Me too. And I hope you, the listener, look forward to it as well. Because we're not stopping. We can't be stopped. We can't be negotiated with. We can't be bribed or bullied. We're actually an entity in the back rooms. (laughs) (laughs) Are there back rooms RP podcasts? Oh my god, why aren't we starting one? See, that's the bad idea. That's the actual bad idea. (laughs) That's the bad, that's the actual... That podcast is a bad The idea. creative bankruptcy episode. <laughs> episode 200. We sold out. Okay. Well, you can find me uh, on my other podcast, The Daydream Cast, where every uh, two weeks, me and my co-host Brogan look at a different game. We've had a lot of guest episodes recently, most recently on Rondo of Blood, uh, going up hopefully about the same time as this around Halloween. Is an episode on Fatal Frame 2, Crimson Butterfly. Um, and I also just wrote an article for the Twin Geeks where this website, where this uh, podcast is posted on uh, 10 of my favorite benevolent Halloween films. Ooh. Movies that are, are spooky, but not scary. Nice. And are a delight for all ages. And Fru, what, what, what advice do you have to give to our viewers, our listeners, at the end of this episode? 
If you're allergic to almonds, don't go in the back rooms. <laughs> oh, man. What if you took the red pill with almond water? <laughs> it's one hell of a cyanide pill. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>